coming up. Always such a great time in the life of Elam Christian Centre, and we are very much looking forward to being able to host that. What a great day it is today. So good to be able to celebrate with John and Rose. I love you guys. Great friends have opened many doors for us over the years, and uh, gosh, what a great work that they have done and continue to do. And it's exciting that we get to be a part of that. Well, I get the privilege of jumping into week three of our new series, In the Beginning, based on the book of Genesis. And as we do, I'd like to start by sharing a little of my mihi, or my pepeha. Now, a pepeha is a traditional Māori way of, of introducing yourself to somebody and so that people can connect with where you're from, key things in your life, so they understand who you are and where you stand. So let me just take a moment to do this. So kia ora tato. Uh, ko kawari te monga, ko te wairu tapu te awa, ko iu karaiti te waka, ko nga karaitiana te iwi, ko Mike toku ingoa. Let me just explain a little bit of that. Firstly, ko kawari te monga, Calvary is my mountain. It is the high ground I orient by, it is my true north, and it is on that hill that my life was saved by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is my river. He is the one that fills me, that meets my thirst. He is the life-giving flow in me and for me. Jesus Christ is my walker. He is the vessel, if you like, the boat, which Colossians says that being found in him meant that I was able to be transferred from darkness over to light. He did that. I got here in him. And then lastly, the church is my people, my tribe, my family. Now, this is going to make more sense as we go through our message today. Because as we start off, we're talking about beginnings, and we read in the book of Genesis in the beginning. But it's interesting, it's not just our beginning, it's a whole series of beginnings. We begin with the story of how God created the cosmos and the earth and everything in it, and then he created uh, life, and then after that, a man and a woman, which uh, he placed in a garden and blessed them and gave them a purpose. But they sinned. We know the story, and they were cursed as a result. And the devil was cursed, and God took them from the garden and placed them in the wilderness. And Adam and Eve, they had children, and their children had children. And we read of how fallen angels came in and corrupted Adam and Eve's bloodline. The people of the earth, as a result, became more and more corrupt and selfish and violent and evil. Let me read this to you from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Listen, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil or unclean. There's another translation of that. All the time. And God's not so much angry as he's just devastated. He's grieved and he is sad. And he determines that the only way forward is to start again a new beginning. And we find that he's going to start again with a bloke called Noah. We're going to look at Noah's life this morning. I believe there are some important things that each of us here can take from Noah's story. And the first one is this, is that Noah trusted God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Here it is. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith. 
Noah is a man of faith. What that literally means is that he trusted God. I mean, it's as simple as that. Noah trusted God. And at the end of the day, actually, that is all God is looking for. Someone who will say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. And we read how Noah became an heir of righteousness. That means he didn't earn it. He inherited it. And this is the first picture we get of grace in the scriptures. In Genesis 6 verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it's this wonderful picture of God saying, Noah, you trust me? You trust me? Man, we are good. We're in, you are, you, I'm right with you, you're right with me. That's all I require of you. It doesn't say that Noah was a perfect bloke. It doesn't say that he lived a perfect life, but he was right with God because he trusted God. Let me ask you this morning, are you trusting God? Now, I'm not saying it's, saying it's easy to trust God, right? I'm not saying that some people won't think that you're nuts for doing that. I mean, let's think about Noah for a moment. You've got to remember, right? It's never rained on the earth until this point. It's never rained. They have no idea what the concept of water falling out of the sky is. Not only that, we're pretty sure Noah was, was located somewhere in the middle of the Middle East. He'd probably never seen the sea. Uh, and not only that, he'd almost certainly never seen a boat, right? So all of the stuff that God's going to talk to him about is completely foreign to him. Right? God says to him, Noah, I want you to build an ark. An ark, it's kind, of, it's, kind of like a, it's kind of like a gigantic big house with a curved bottom so that it will float when the flood comes. And Noah's like, um, okay, several things. I've got no idea what you're talking about there, God. Like ark, what's that? House with a curved bottom, like that's weird. And flood, I don't even know what you mean. But I tell you what, God, I'm going to trust you. And so I'm going to get started. And no doubt. And the decades that followed as Noah built this extraordinary thing from scratch, no doubt plenty of people would have thought that he was nuts. But that's trusting God, right? There's something about that for us. When we trust God, we will sometimes face the same things. I mean, God says, take 10% of your income and give it away from yourself, and I'll make the 90% with my blessing go further than the 100% without my blessing could have gone. And you go, ah, God, I'm not, not too sure about your maths. Like, I, I cannot see how that's going to work. But you know what? You say that, okay, I'm going to trust you, and we're going to do this. And honestly, people will think you're nuts for it. It's like God says, I want you to save sex for marriage, and I'll make your love life better and more enduring than it would be if you just want to head now. And we're like, oh, God, it's, it's kind of not what I'm hearing. So like my mates are saying different stuff. Social media is kind of saying that's all outdated. But you know what, God, if you say that, okay. I'm going to trust you, even if people think I'm a little bit nuts for it. Or God says, I want you to forgive people. And I want you to ask forgiveness for things, to get right with people. Even if it's not even entirely your fault, I want you to do that. And we're like, oh, God, look, it's, it's a nice idea, but revenge just feels so much better. I'd just be, I, I just much... I'm much more like to just, just like punish people quietly if I can, if that's okay with you, you know, like you know, like the stonewall people and, and just make them suffer. That'd be, I, I would prefer that, but okay, I'm going to trust you, and if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do that. And people will think you are nuts. So like Noah, you and I have a decision to make. Are we going to trust him or not? You know, many years ago when I was a high school 
uh, biology and physics teacher, we felt, Lizzie and I, nudged by God to go pastoring. And so we went to our senior pastor, who was Pastor Bob uh, at the time, and we said, look, Bob, we want you to stick us in a little church somewhere where we can't do too much damage. And, um, and Bob said, look, there's no churches available, which actually now I realize could have also have meant there's no way I'm putting you in a church. You're going to be nothing but trouble. But anyway, what Bob said was, he said, look, why don't you come back in a church? I mean, I've already done the internship. Come back in a church for a year. Do some more training, and then we'll see what God does. And so we, we decided to trust God on this. We decided that Liz would need to go back to work full-time. I would be part-time house dad looking after the kids, and then the other part-time I'd be at church doing more training with Bob. And so I resigned from my job. But then things began to go a little bit pear-shaped. Liz applied for jobs that she was eminently qualified for. The people interviewing her said, oh, this is fantastic. You're exactly who we're looking for. But then strange things happened. Companies restructured or, or all sorts of weird things happened. I mean, it wasn't just like she didn't get the job. It was like God was closing the doors. And when you step out in faith and you're trusting God and things don't go quite the way you thought, you know what? That can be a little bit scary. That can be a little bit uncomfortable. But that's what trusting God means. And so we continued. And what was astonishing was that literally within about a month, God had opened the door for us to take up the role in the church that we were currently in as senior pastor, as God then spoke to Pastor Bob and Maggie and called them to go on to another church as well. And here's the thing, right? I never imagined that God would do that. And like Noah, if you want to see what you have never even imagined God can do, it starts with trusting him. Amen. Amen. Second thing we learned from Noah this morning is that Noah was about right relationships. Second Peter 2 verse 5 says, God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, here it is, a preacher of righteousness and seven others. We know there were eight on the boat, Noah, his wife, his three boys, and his three daughter-in-laws. It's interesting, it describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness, not a preacher of sin, not a preacher of judgment, not a preacher of repentance. It's specific. He's a preacher of righteousness. So then that leads us to ask, what is righteousness? Now, this is very important. I want you to hear this. Righteousness is not being right. Righteousness is all about being right with others and being right with God. It's that state where we know there's nothing between me and God. And there's nothing between me and anybody else alive. And Noah obviously is a man who not only provided for his family and found time to build this gigantic upside down house thing, but he also was a man who it seems was continually encouraging those around him to get right with God and to get right with one another. And no surprise, God is all about that. That is the gospel that we might get right with him and then get right with others. Let me ask you this morning, are you right with God? And is there anyone in your world that you know you are not right with? I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. I was about 13 years old. We're going to assume I was 13 because I sure as heck hope I wasn't any older. So 13 years old, and it's uh, the end of the school day, and we're getting on the school bus. Now, it's a rainy day, right? And there's like 35 of us 
snotty kids in a school bus in the rain. And so all of the windows are all fogged up, right? And I'm down the back with a couple of my mates trying to be cool. Okay, now I could say to you that I was an exceptionally mature 13-year-old, but we'll soon work out that that is not true. Okay, so I'm down the back of the school bus, we're heading home, and, and all the windows are fogged up, so me and my mates are talking, and we work out that, hey, we can't, we, can't, we can't see anything outside, so people outside, they can't really see any details of what's going on inside, and so we decided with great maturity that we would do the fingers out the back of the bus to anyone who was driving behind us all the way home, as I said, particularly mature. So that's what we did. We did the things out the back of the bus as the bus drove home. And then when we got to home, we got off the bus, we found we were wrong on two counts. Firstly, we were wrong uh, the fact that we thought nobody could see what we were doing. Uh, We were also wrong when we thought that nobody could see who we were. Because as it turned out, the people in the car that drove behind the bus all the way home happened to be my aunt and uncle. who had driven all the way to visit our family from Rotorua. So obviously this is a problem. So like any obviously mature 13-year-old, I did what any other 13-year-old would do, which is I just lied flat out. I denied it was me. It definitely wasn't me. I wasn't even in the back of the bus. I don't know who those idiots were. Look, honestly, it wasn't me, and I swore my brother to secrecy. The problem is I got saved about 10 years later. And from that point on, Over many years, there was just this occasional little niggling of the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go and apologize to your aunt and uncle. And I'm like, no, God, I don't, because you haven't been paying attention. I lied. They don't think I did it anyway. Lord's like, you need to go and apologize. So fast forward another 10 years, I've now got small kids, and one uh, one weekend I just couldn't put up with it anymore. I knew I had to get right with them. I got on my motorbike. I drove all the way to my aunt and uncle's place. And with shame and embarrassment and all of those things, I went into their house. And I confessed that what had happened was me. And I apologized and I asked their forgiveness. And they couldn't even remember that it had happened. (laughs) But here's the point. Righteousness always starts here. Not out there. Amen. Third thought this morning is this, is that Noah committed to God's new beginning. Do you know that in in literally almost every single uh, ancient civilization, they have their version of the flood story? Like it just, it's it's in every civilization. It's astonishing. The Chinese have the story of the great flood of Gun Yu, and I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, and apologies to all of our Mandarin speakers this morning. Uh, and, but it's interesting like within the Chinese culture because the, uh, the Chinese language is a very ancient language and it's, a, it's pictographic language made up of pictures. And, and you find biblical things are, are literally in the language of China from ancient times. I'll give you one example. The Chinese pictogram for boat is particularly interesting. The the pictogram for boat is made up of three different pictures. The first picture means vessel. The second picture means people. The third picture means eight. That a boat is recorded in ancient Chinese writing as a vessel that carried eight people. Isn't that interesting? The ark is a boat that carried eight. Eight people. Even the Māori have an ancient myth around this, the story of Tupunui Auta, 
which speaks about human beings and how they disregarded the laws and teachings of Tane for which a deluge was poured out to destroy man. And Tupu and a few companions are said to have constructed a raft on which they rode out the flood, which endured for eight months. Interesting, right? Did you know in the Bible that certain numbers have, have very strong meanings that come up again and again and again? And one of those is the number eight. Guess what the number eight symbolizes? It symbolizes new beginnings. And whenever we see the number eight occurring, it's usually associated with a new beginning. In the Old Testament, male babies were circumcised on the eighth day, not the seventh day or the ninth day. On the eighth day, a new beginning. Abraham, this man that God brought into this incredible covenant, had eight sons. The day of Pentecost fell on the first day of the eighth week of the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus was resurrected from the dead and then appeared to his disciples. Guess how many times? Eight times. And there were eight people on this ark that signified God's new beginning. But here's the interesting thing, right? Somewhere in the story, Noah had to face the fact that before there could be a new beginning, there had to also be an ending. There had to be a dying of that which was of the past season. Now put your hand up, give me a wave if you've seen the movie Noah with um, Russell Crowe in it. Anyone ever seen that movie? Okay, a bunch of us have, right? I've got some issues with certain things in that movie, but one of the things I did appreciate was that it showed the trauma of the ending of the old. There's a scene where Noah is on the boat trying to shut out the horrific cries of people drowning over the sounds of the storm. Noah would have heard those, yet there had to be a passing of the old before the new beginning. You see, with new beginnings, there will always be a sense of loss. And whenever there is a sense of loss, there is grief. And that is okay. Grief is God's process of healing from loss. I remember uh, uh, the end of last year, three of our four kids left home. And um, I had for probably two years, you know, I've been thinking, man, the kids need to get out of here. They're not listening to us anymore. You know, they, they needed to step out and grow as individuals and getting out of home was the way they did that. So, you know, I would from time to time just drop a very gentle little hint like, you need to leave home. Um, or um, just something subtle like, um, here, here are 17 places to rent on Trade Me. You should go and look at them all. You know, just, just gentle, just disturbing the nest a little bit. But here's what happened. The funny thing was is that in the end, three of them all went flatting within about six weeks uh, total. And I remember a couple of them talking with me going, yeah, we're super excited, Dad. We're going we're gonna, to got this flat, and these are our flatmates and the whole thing. And I remember tearing up and tears coming to my eyes. And the weird thing was, I totally didn't expect it. Here's the lesson, right? When you are stepping into a new beginning, there will be grief. And you may not expect it. That's why when we're facing loss, when we're wanting to move from one season to another season, that's why, like Noah, actually we need an ark to carry us. And that ark is the visual representation of Jesus, of the picture of his grace. The flood was death to the rest of the world. It was an ending, but the boat they were in was what carried them through death to a new life, a new beginning. The scriptures tell us uh, again and again in Paul's language, he says, you've got to be found in Christ. You've got to be in Christ. 
If you're reading through the, through the epistles, you see Paul uses this again and again and again. If we're to be saved, we've got to be found in Christ. If we want that new life, that new beginning, we've got to be found in Christ. Like the ark carried Noah to a new beginning, so Jesus carries us to a new beginning, and that is salvation. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ, there it is, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But here's the challenge. The challenge is that some of us here have not fully committed to the new beginning God is wanting to bring you into. I can imagine Noah outside the ark, it's starting to rain, which is totally bizarre for him. He has no idea what is going on here. And he's looking in and his wife is going, we have to get him with all of those animals? This is going to be stinky. They had no idea what was ahead. But at some point, they had to commit fully and step into that place, into that ark. I believe that for some of us here this morning, God is challenging us to let go of the old and fully step into the new. I believe God is saying to some of us here, will you let go this morning? Will you face your loss and grief? Will you let me carry you over the waves of death, death of an old dream, death of an old place, death of an old season, death of an old life, death of an old relationship? Will you let me carry you into a new beginning? And there's just very quickly, three specific things I felt the Lord put on my heart this morning. Firstly, for some of you, you haven't been baptized. And for all of the, the you know, the lines you bring out, ah, it's just not time yet, or there's no hurry, or those sorts of things. Actually, if you're honest, it's because you're holding on to your old life. You're not willing to let it die. I believe God would encourage you. Be baptized. Go through those waters that stand for death. In fact, First Peter talks about how the waters of baptism are the waters that Noah went through in the ark. Come through that in Christ and step into the new life God has for you. The second group of people I believe God wants to speak to is that some of us here have immigrated, and some of us, actually, we haven't really settled yet. There is still an unwillingness to let go, a grief that threatens you, and that's okay. But God has brought you to a new beginning. But you can only step into that new beginning if you are willing to let go of what is behind and be found in Him. Here it is. What is past is not lost, but what is ahead may be lost if you don't commit fully to God's new beginning. And then just quickly, the third group. For some of us here, there's a new dream. There's, there's really a new sense of something new uh, 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 from God ahead of us, a new dream, a new relationship, a new career, a new season. For some of us, it's, that, it's facing that season of, of getting old where the body's starting to break down and we're starting to slow down. And, and for some of us, actually, we, we're desperately holding on to younger seasons and yet God is saying to some of us, you know what, you can trust me with that season as much as you have with all these other seasons. Like Noah, if we want God's new beginning, we have to commit ourselves to Jesus completely to be in Him, the one who saves us. And He is the one who has promised to get us through. And that's why I say, Jesus is my walker, my boat, my ark. It is only in Him.
that I have peace to go from death to life. It is only in him that I have the hope that the best is yet to come. Amen. As we close this morning, the team can come. That'd be fantastic. But I want us to just take a, a, a brief moment. I want to challenge you. Is God speaking to you this morning? Do you need to trust him? Do you need to get right with somebody? Or do you need to let go of something in the past to step into the new beginning? I'm going to ask, ask we're going to have just have a moment here. I'm going to ask us all to close our eyes and bow our heads just to afford one another privacy if we would. I really feel God put on my heart just to pray for people who are needing to step into a new season, who are needing to be done with the old, who need to do that and are struggling to do that. I believe God's going to bring you breakthrough this morning. I believe that this is going to be a line in the sand for many people here this morning. And I'm just going to pray a, a prayer for all of those who are in that place of recognizing that they've got to leave something behind. They've got to take that step. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask everyone here, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up in the air, give me a wave, put your hand back down again, just so I know who I'm praying for. And, and, and I'm, then I'm just going to pray for you. So if that's you, if you got the sense that God's saying to you, it's time for you, for a new season, for letting go, for stepping in, would you just right now raise your hand, give me a wave. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Okay, lots of hands. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Okay, wonderful. Lots of people here. Fantastic. Let me just pray for you. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord for your word to us this morning, Lord, that you're the God who brings us into new beginnings, into new seasons, God. And I pray for every one of these people, God, that by the power of your spirit, by the blood of Jesus, which is shed for each of us, God, I pray you will help these people cut off the old, God. Take that step of faith into a new season, God, and discover all that you have already prepared for them to step into. God, we thank you that you are the one who promises us that in all things you are already at work on our behalf. And I pray this morning, God, just for a cutting off, a letting go. I pray for a shift, God, in their spirits, God, as they now move their focus to what is ahead. God, I pray that as they step into that new moment, that new season with a fresh focus and vision, God, I pray that you will surprise them with your goodness. God, you'll open doors of opportunity for them. God, and you'll bring deep blessing into their lives. God, I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. And then lastly, if you're here today and you haven't, actually ever taken that step of giving your life to Jesus, of putting your trust in him to save you, of inviting him into your world. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's all about you. He so loved you that he gave Jesus. See, God wants you to know him. But Romans 3 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, God's glory. And it's that sin that keeps us separated, right, from knowing God, experiencing his love and his plan for our lives. And that's why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for you, that your sin might be removed. That this might be a new day, that you might know what it is to be made new on the inside. God forgives. God takes away sin. And we step into it by coming full circle and making the decision that we're going to put our faith in Him. The Bible says in John 1, to all those who received Him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that wonderful? The right. If you're here this morning and it's time for you to get right with God, if you've never made that decision, or even if you have made that decision in the past, but you've drifted and you know, if you're honest, you're not right with God, 
then I'd love to invite you just to join in me with this prayer. I prayed this prayer in a gas station when I was 22 years old. Manukau Road changed my life. If you need to get right with God this morning, would you pray with me? Come on, let's all bow our heads again and close our eyes just for a moment. Here it is. Pray this just out of your heart between you and God, just right where you are. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I admit that I am a sinner and that my sin keeps me separated from knowing you. But Jesus, I choose to believe you died on that cross for me, that my sin might be paid for and taken away. Thank you, God, that you have forgiven me in Jesus. And right now, Jesus, I choose to receive you as my God and my Savior I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me new. And I pray that you will show me your love, your plan for my life. I commit myself to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just one more moment. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you're like, yeah, that was me. I would love to pray for you just as we wrap up the service. And I'm not going to get you to stand up or come out or anything like that. But in a moment, I'm going to get you to raise your hand, let me see it, pull it down again. i just love to know who I'm including in this prayer. If that's you and you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or, or again, you know, it was time for you to do it again. If you got right with God this morning, right now, would you lift your hand up, give me a wave, say, yeah, Mike, that was me. Include me in that prayer. Just as I'm looking across the auditorium, God bless you, girl. Awesome. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. Anyone else here this morning? Yeah, Mike, that was me. I got right with God. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, for every person here this morning who made that decision, the most courageous of all decisions. God, I thank you, Lord, for faith, God, that each of these ones carry. And I thank you, God, that you have forgiven them and washed them clean and made them new. God, I thank you that this is the first day of the rest of their life, God, and I thank you that they are in you. Lord, I pray, God, your blessing on their life, God, that you surprise them with your goodness. I pray, Lord, like David prayed, that you will command your angels, God, to watch over them and surround them and protect them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for these ones. God, I thank you for the power of decision. I thank you for faith, God. I thank you that Noah, by faith, God, found a new beginning, and I thank you that these ones, by faith, have found a new beginning today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wonderful. Look, um, uh, we're going to wrap the service up in just a sec. Daphne's going to come. Daphne, start moving. Come on, come on, start moving. Come up here. Look, if you prayed that prayer this morning, we'd love you to do one more thing. Grab an orange connect card. Daphne's holding one right here. Put your details on there. Tick the box, I gave my life to Christ. And either put it in one of our connect boxes out there or take it to the info area. If you take it to the info area, we'd love to gift you a beautiful Bible uh, just from us to you. That'd be amazing. Um, and then we just want to send you an email with some next steps to help you on your journey. Wonderful. Thank you, team.